The text for the message this morning is Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. We'll read that together. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the minds of some people, a church is viewed as a social club. We help one another out as we listen to nice things about Jesus And we're encouraged to show love. When people think like this, then a baptism or a profession of faith is seen to be special because it's a kind of a way of joining the club. We live in peaceful times. We've enjoyed many blessings as a part of the church. And we're happy when we see the next generation wanting to remain members. But is that all that this profession of faith is about? Not at all. Our text today is found in the context of the book of Revelation and reminds us that this profession of faith today is not just a a cute, quaint, little social, local church event but it is a declaration that will touch every part of their lives. For it is a promise that puts every one of these brothers and sisters on the side of King Jesus Christ in a cosmic battle with eternal consequences. Their their I do is huge. Although it doesn't change their hearts as if they weren't believers before, 
It is a public declaration about whose kingdom they are a part of. It guarantees tribulations. And after they have suffered a little while, it promises them an eternal place in the glory of Jesus Christ where they can fully praise God with all their being. The 11 young people who will be professing their faith will face tribulations like the ones that were being faced by the churches in John's day. Tribulations they faced because of their faith. But even though, even though they know this, they are still here today. Because no matter what it costs, thinking about it, looking at it, they've seen, they cannot deny the truth. Why are they willingly entering onto this narrow path? Because they can see that the church is much more than just a quaint little social club that you come and go as you please. But it is the army of the victorious eternal king. And so with all Christians around the world who fearlessly walk on in their faith, also Riley, Braden, Micah, Carly, Ian, Jocelyn, Larissa, Myron, Luke, Larissa, and Melissa. They have John's vision in their hearts and in their minds as they respond to the promises of their baptism with a resounding amen, I do. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is his work under this theme. Meet your Lord and you will no longer be afraid. We will see that he is present in our tribulations and he protects us in our task. So if you have your Bibles open in front of you in Revelation chapter 1, you could see that the first three verses uh, show us that God gave King Jesus Christ a revelation that he made known by sending an angel to John. God wants us to know this revelation. He who is and who was and who is to come, the seven spirits who are before his throne, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit and his fullness, and Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Yes, the triune God, Father, Holy Spirit, and Son, they grant the church grace and peace. The very same Lord God, the Alpha and the Omega, who loves us, we see in verses five and six, who loves us, who freed us from our sins by his blood, who made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, has an amazing promise for the faithful churches who suffer oppression as they wait for their Lord to return upon the clouds. The apostle John he saw and, and he heard the revelation of this promise from that almighty triune God when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, we see in verse 10, which probably refers to a time of worship on the first day of the week. You see, at that time, the, the people, the church, decided that rather than follow the calendar 
of the Roman oppressors to have a holiday on the Emperor's Day, it appears that the churches stood out and they named another day, the first day of the week, the day of Christ's resurrection, the Lord's Day. And then they celebrated this day. They worshipped him. John, the disciple of our Lord Jesus, already in his old age, was, we read in verse 9, he was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Patmos was a desolate volcanic island about 10 kilometers across and 40 kilometers in circumference. It was found in the Aegean Sea. It was used by the Romans as a, as a prison for criminals and dissidents that they wanted to remove from their towns. John had to live on this rocky little island because he believed and he preached Jesus Christ, the gospel. That means if he had any family, they couldn't visit him. He probably had to forage for his own food. Tradition even has him staying in a cave. There's a cave on that island that's identified as the cave where John stayed. Of course, we don't know that. And then there were the seven churches, the seven churches who received John's letters. They were also being persecuted for their faith. And we need to understand this tribulation, not as persecution as a word, but as persecution experienced by our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Persecuted means that the government considered those churches, those believers as enemies. Persecuted means the government ensured their continual poverty. He took away their rights to worship God. They, they hurt people and they even killed people because of their faith. Already in John's day, the oppression of the Roman occupying forces was, was added to the fierce opposition of the, of the Judaizers. It cost a lot to profess faith in Jesus Christ. It cost a lot to stand up for the, the doctrines of grace alone. And to live according to what you believe. And every Sunday... When we hear that, that blessing of Jesus Christ from Revelation 1, verses 4 and 5, we can appreciate how Jesus' words and his promise are tailor-made to comfort a seemingly small and vulnerable church that suffers greatly because of their faith in God. So how does Jesus reveal himself our text tells us that John heard a loud voice like a trumpet. And perhaps remembering that the trumpet was often blown to prepare a person to meet their God, John turned and the first thing that he saw were lampstands. Lampstands had a place in the Lord's dwelling in the Old Testament. They were to be kept burning in the temple as a reminder of God's presence with his people in darkness and in light the Lord kept the lamp of truth and hope burning forever 
The description of the one who looked like the Son of Man reminds us also of the priests of the Old Testament who also had robes down to their feet and who used a golden belt around the waist. It's also quite similar to the description we read of the heavenly messengers in Daniel chapter 10, and then you can read a similar thing in Revelation 15. And as you have your Bible open and, and, you, and you're skimming again these verses 12 to 16, that, that description, and you meditate on those words, you can see that everything that is spoken of, it, it points to the Son of Man's dignity, to His purity, to His holiness, to His majesty, and to His power. And yet the words that John used show that he was a, a physical human being. The man among the lampstands was not a, a ghost-like figure or a light-like hologram, but it was he was a human being with dignified, pure white hair of a wise person with eyes, piercing eyes like flames of fire and brightly glowing bronze feet. When we read the description of his appearance in Revelation 1 verse 16, we, we learn further that his face shone just like the Lord Jesus shone after he, a face shone after he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17. And we read that he had a, a sharp double-edged sword that came from his mouth. And if you look in chapter 2, verse 16, you can see that that double-edged sword was used against those who would not repent from their sins. It is a clear, it is a, a frightening vision that brings the prophecy of Daniel 7 one step further when a similar being, one like a son of man, appeared before the Ancient of Days from whom came that glorious angel of Daniel chapter 10 that caused Daniel to fall down as though dead. Like the last chapters of Daniel's prophecy, also the book of Revelation was given to comfort the churches, to comfort them in the midst of, of horrible persecution and oppression. God comforts the churches under the cross, that's an expression to, to speak about persecuted churches. God comforts the churches under the cross by simply revealing to them who the Lord really is. By giving them just a glimpse of his power and his authority and the glory of, the God, of God's kingdom and his majestic king. When we're suffering, when we're persecuted, when we feel small, God sends a message. He, he speaks to us. He says, meet your king. See who you're following. Meet your Lord Jesus. And you will see what you become a part of when you believe in him. When you declare to this world your faith in him. Meet your Lord and you won't be afraid. John can see that the Lord Jesus is right there. He's right there among the churches that are, that are symbolized by the lampstands. You see, those churches are not suffering persecution and oppression because God has forgotten them. 
or because God is not there among them in their tribulations, not at all. Rather, our good, wise, sovereign God who sees and knows everything, he also sees and knows the suffering that comes with the profession of faith. John, who before recorded Jesus' words that the sheep are safe in the hand of the Father and the Son, like we can read in John 10, verses 28 to 29, that same John can now see, he can see the stars in the right hand of the glorified Son of Man, and he can know that God is giving special attention to each and every church through the angels of the churches. And since these angels were later to receive written correspondence from Jesus through John, many interpreters have chosen to translate the word angel with the word messenger. That's also possible. It appears then that the stars, the, the angels, are to be seen as the preachers or the leadership responsible for the preaching of the word in each local congregation. And the triune God reveals himself to the churches so that we may know that when we profess our faith in God in this hostile world, we are not alone. John saw his Lord as God wanted us to know him. He saw him as the high priest who offered his own life as a sacrifice for sins, but who is now alive and glorious, standing right in the midst of the churches, in the midst of their tribulations. The very same king who stands among us in all his glory has opened the way for him, to him, for all who believe in him. glorious message for the world. It's a glorious message for the church. When we read Revelation 1, we realize that Jesus Christ is not, should not be pictured or seen or treated like a, a buddy and a friend in his blue jeans and t-shirt thanking us for, for joining his new social club when there are so many to choose from. We shouldn't even see him as a, as a shining light on, on the end of that dark tunnel of tribulations. But he has power and his majesty and his glory is present with us now. And we reflect that in our worship of him. The picture of our text with Jesus among the lampstands holding the stars in his hand, it helps us to also understand the, the independence of each local church with its office bearers and Jesus' direct relationship to, to every one of us. John was overwhelmed by the Son of Man's majesty. Just like Daniel was when he saw the, the glory of heaven and the messenger who came and spoke to him. Both of these servants fell down as though dead. Daniel said his, his radiant appearance disappeared. He, he was completely exposed. He felt naked and sinful before the holy God had overwhelmed him. 
And what a blessing it is to read then that the risen, living, glorious Savior and Lord Jesus Christ laid his right hand on John so that John could feel his touch and then told him not to be afraid. Meet your Lord Jesus Christ, who like the Father is also the first and the last, the living one who died, but behold, is now living alive forevermore. When you profess your faith in the triune God, you can know that he is victorious even over our death. We read that he has the keys of death and Hades. Meet your Lord, the victorious king, and feel the warmth of his hand on your shoulder calling you to be faithful even in the midst of that oppression, comforting you in his amazing and his undeserved love, his arms open to receive those who put their trust in him. Meet your Lord, Jesus Christ, who is present with you in your tribulations, even in the midst of oppression, comforting you in his amazing and gracious way and sustaining you in his hand. He protects us in our task. The definitive choice to stand up as young people and to profess your faith publicly before the Lord and, and his congregation. And to repeat this every Sunday again as you confess your faith with the words of the historic creeds. It shows to the world that you, that we, brothers and sisters, we belong to a different kingdom. And Jesus never promised that that would be easy. And in fact, he tells us that the world will hate you because of him. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, John says it very clearly in John, Revelation 1 verse 9. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Do you see that? To belong to Jesus is to belong to the kingdom. And that means that, that everyone who professes their faith and, and follows Jesus Christ as a part of his kingdom, in all the situations of life, there will be tribulation. The tribulation is in Jesus Christ. And then you see why we say that profession of faith is not just a cute little local event, something warm and fuzzy. It's a declaration that you will go to battle with Christ Jesus and you will face the tribulation that comes with that. Profession of faith calls us to action. It's not the end of the journey, but, but just the beginning of a, of a dangerous task that requires all your attention and all your focus Philippians 3, Paul uses the imagery of a man riding on a chariot that presses forward to, to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. It was dangerous to be standing on that little piece of wood behind the raging horses. 
pay attention. Due to the opposition and the attacks, John characterizes their task as patient endurance. But he does not mean idleness, waiting around, twiddling your thumbs, but rather in Jesus' words to the churches recorded in chapters 2 to 3, which we will read to each of the brothers and sisters who are about to make profession of faith, we find words like conquest, resistance, ruling, confessing, holiness, faithfulness, solid faith like a pillar in the temple of God. The very picture of the lampstands and the stars, they point to the task of shining as an action verb in the darkness. Just as Jesus as is the light of the world, so you also will be a light in the world because of your profession. Whether you enter the job force or university, your neighbors and your colleagues will know that you are a Christian, that you are part of a greater and a glorious kingdom that is greater than the temporary ones that can be seen with our eyes. Your love for God and your love for your neighbor, the fruit of the Spirit, they are like beams of light that come out from you and represent the presence of God, like lampstands, the presence of God to those who are around you. The comfort of our passage today is that we can do all this without fear. And in fact, we can be motivated by the sure knowledge that he sees us, he is with us, and he knows what we are doing. He knows the challenges that we face. As Jesus is speaking to his churches how many times does he tell them, I can see you and I can know what you are doing. Jesus knows what is involved because he himself passed through it here in his life on earth, except he bore the full burden of God's wrath against sin. We have Jesus Christ holding us in his hand. When the eternal king who can grant you all things is on your side. When he is on your side, you know that he will protect you as you fulfill your task. The victory is certain. John was told, write it down. Send it to the churches. The light of the Lord will go out from Zion, like we sing and it's promised in the Psalms. Jesus holds the keys for death and Hades. Hades is a word that refers to the grave that follows death where our bodies lie still and quiet and waste away after we die. Imagine if you could decide who could stay and who could come out to live in glory forever. But Jesus tells us that he can. No need to invent your time and your money trying to, to defy death and stay young looking. We have no need to fear death when we faithfully show love to those around us. Jesus Christ has the keys. He has promised us the crown of life for faithful, patient endurance and complete devotion. So what should we say to someone who has just professed their faith? What is fitting for what they 
are doing. While Christians may congratulate them on making the best and most important decision to be on the side of the eternal King, Jesus Christ, where they can really use their talents to glorify God as they were made to do. That is worthy of a congratulations. But we don't say it like we say happy birthday or happy anniversary in a, in a light, in a, in a jovial way with, with just a smile and a handshake. But we say it like fellow soldiers in a fierce battle, knowing full well how much it will cost them. How do soldiers say to the next group of fellow soldiers, what do they say to the next group of fellow soldiers who are, are swearing in to join the battle? What, what runs through their heads? As parents, we know that our children did not choose the easy path. We don't know to what battle, but battlefront God will send you. And we know that your profession of faith may bring persecution, may bring suffering, and may even bring death. But since this, just is not, this isn't just a profession of faith, but it's a really, it's a personal declaration of the truth, we wouldn't want it any other way because we know that our King, Jesus Christ, has conquered death. He is alive. The keys are in his hand. He has complete control. And whatever happens, we know that we spend eternity together. And as fellow soldiers, all of us, we thank God that you are making profession of faith. And it is our most sincere desire that you will be faithful to your triune sovereign God right to the end when his kingdom will be all in all. It is our prayer that all who are worshiping here today may see the truth of the gospel and share in our peace and in our joy that no hardship can take away. We sang it in hymn 35. So what do we say? We say the name of God is on your battle uniform. Live worthy, live worthy of his name. We're here beside you, we got your back. Stand firm and never lose sight of the big picture. Your Lord Jesus Christ. That picture that John saw. Your Lord Jesus Christ is present among you in all his glory and power. And do not be afraid. He will protect you. As you share, as you shine, as lampstands in the darkness, in the truth of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Lord. Amen.